0: I might give away the plot or the ending in this review, so just be warned. We are here to discuss Hell or High Water, which came out in 2016 and was directed by David Mackenzie. You want a little advice?
1: Go see your boys in the mall. You know you talk like we ain't gonna get away with this. I never met nobody got away with anything, ever. And why in the hell did you agree to do it? Because you asked, little brother.
0: Mama,
1: take this badge off of me. I think I got these boys figured.
0: He's got no record. He's never been arrested. He don't fit the bill, Marcus.
1: You may be hearing a lot of things about me and your uncle. It's dark,
0: too
1: dark to see. Whatever I hear, I won't believe. No, you believe it. I did all of it. Love you, Toby. I mean it. I love you too.
0: It stars Chris Pine, Ben Foster, Jeff Bridges, and Gil Birmingham. The genre would be Western crime drama. This film came out five years ago in August 2016 and is proof positive that Hollywood is still capable of making lean and entertaining old school Western capers. It packs in a good amount of story, it has funny moments, sad moments, suspenseful moments, and all at just over 100 minutes, no less. And it's basically the story of two brothers, played by Pine and Foster. Now, before seeing this, I would have never pegged these two actors as brothers, but they are convincing as the Howard brothers. Toby is played by Pine, Tanner is played by Foster, and they are stealthily robbing banks all over West Texas. And all of it is towards a unique goal, which isn't revealed until more than halfway through this movie. Toby, played by Chris Pine, is the brains of the operation, who has a distinct plan for the money, while ex-con Tanner, played by Ben Foster, he's the impulsive brawn just in it for thrills, and because his brother asked him to.
1: Good morning, folks! Open the drawers! Open the motherfucking drawers! Ones, fives, tens, twenties, no hundreds, no bundles. You boys robbing the bank? Shut up! Your hands on the counter. On the counter! Yes, that's it. Come on. That's crazy. Y'all ain't even Mexicans. Oh. Ah, 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 ah. No bundles. Just loose cash. Okay. You don't be ashamed of yourselves. Hand on the counter where I can see him. Yes, sir. You got a gun on you, old man? You damn right I got a gun on me. Are you gonna get his gun? Yeah. Keep up with the circumstances, okay? Yeah, I got it. So are y'all gonna steal my gun, too?
0: I have my own gun. We ain't sent from you, we'll him from the bank. And hot on their trail are two bickering Texas Rangers, played by Jeff Bridges and Gil Birmingham, one of whom, take a wild guess, is just about to retire. Now, if you haven't seen this, that might all sound like a very cliched setup for a modern Western, which doesn't offer anything special. And yet it is, and yet it does.
1: They have video.
0: Same deal all the way around.
1: Doesn't Walmart sell all sorts of electronic equipment? My word, get your hands off that. Oh, these boys, they aren't done yet, I'll tell you that. Okay. Yeah, well, they're patient. They're just sticking to the drawers, not taking the hundreds. That's the bank's money. We can trace that. They're, they're trying to raise a certain amount, that's my guess. It's going to take a few banks to get
0: there. Directed by David McKenzie and written by current crime drama whiz Taylor Sheridan, who also recently gave us Sicario and Wind River, Hell or High Water is a gem of a film that revels in cliches and utilizes them well. Clichés such as, did you know that Texans like to carry firearms? Or that banks can be the source of all evil? No matter, because those clichés are in service of a very compelling crime drama, which is elevated by crisp direction, natural performances, and clever writing. And about those performances, Pine, Foster, and even Bridges are each playing Texas variations. Of the types of characters we have seen them play before. But beneath the surface of each of these character types, they are each more intelligent than they let on. Yeah, Ben Foster has excelled at playing hotheads before, prone to violence, like in movies like 310 to Yuma. But this time around, we see a lot of self awareness and thoughtfulness to his character. He understands well at this point that robbing and stealing is his lane, so why not just direct those skills towards helping out family for a change, as opposed to just enriching himself? Foster is often the heart of this film, as he's the one who's most often direct about his feelings compared to his brother, who generally comes off as the quiet one as played by Pine.
1: The end there was pretty rough. I could have helped out a little if she asked. <laughs> I could them skinny cows. We had nothing to feed them. Well I could have helped clean up the house a bit never took you for the go-to guy for house cleaning <laughs> no just robbing banks yeah
0: Fuck her she never wanted nothing to do with me anyway But Chris Pine is pretty damn impressive himself in what might be his best performance so far. From Bottle Shock to Star Trek to Unstoppable to Wonder Woman, Pine has always been such an effective leading man with charm, chiseled looks, and easy charisma. I mean, the dude was born to play Captain Kirk. And those aspects are completely buried in this quieter performance, even though he looks noticeably scrawnier and scruffier, but he still looks like Chris Pine, of course he's always looking dignified, but there's clearly regret seeping through. His overall plan is pretty brilliant, but just the way he carries himself between bank jobs, you can see on his face the look of someone who knows that they're they're onto something smart, but is wondering why the hell he couldn't put these smarts to better use 10 years prior when he was still married and living with his two sons. The whole setting of this film feels very mournful and melancholy. Mostly vacant farms, abandoned factories, and small towns, where the most thriving business happens to be the local bank. It all sets the backdrop for a story that feels antiquated yet modern. The Bank High sequences are pretty much low-tech, but tensely staged as the rest of the film focuses on our characters. The screenwriter Sheridan draws these folks in a pretty straightforward manner, though being a star screenwriter, he's not above laying out some juicy monologues.
1: And how is anybody supposed to make a living here? People have been a living here for 150 years. Well, people lived in caves for 150,000 years, but they don't do it no more. Well, maybe your people did. Your people did, too. Long time ago, your ancestors was the Indians. So someone came along and killed them and broke them down, made you into one of them. 150 years ago, all this was my ancestors' land. Everything you could see, everything you saw yesterday, to the grandparents of these folks took it, and now it's been taken from them. Except it ain't no army doing it. It's those sons of bitches right there.
0: That poetry was spoken by Alberto, who is a Texas Ranger, elegantly played by Gil Birmingham. And yes, it sounds very much like movie dialogue, but in the context of that scene and who he's saying it to, it really lands effectively, just like the rest of this movie. Clichés are nothing to be afraid of when you're effectively using them to tell a good story. And that brings me to the categories. The first category would be Best Needle Drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film, because music is essential to film. Nick Cave and Warren Ellis, they compose a brilliant, moody score for this film, which contributes a great deal towards giving it a real modern Western feel. Now, it's hard to pinpoint just one part of the score that stands out, but I'll choose one portion where we hear a melody of a solo violin over the low drone of mournful string instruments. This occurs at a critical moment late in the film, which I'm not going to spoil. The track is called Casino, and let's just say that one character is sitting alone at a casino bar with a large tray of casino chips right in front of him. He hears something on the TV which causes his face to drop. He then drinks a shooter of whiskey and crouches forward at the bar, pulling the chips closer to him. And beyond that, I'll just let the music say the rest. And the next category would be wasted talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. Now, this was a pretty low-budget film with a pretty limited cast, pretty limited locations, and in my opinion, there is nothing wasted in this film, plain and simple. No wasted talent, no wasted resources. Everybody and everything is utilized perfectly. And that brings me to the trailer moment. This is the scene or moment that best describes this movie. Now, in case you hadn't noticed, there are some very pointed monologues throughout this film, which really nail its themes home, regarding how difficult it is to work your way out of debt, and also a general distrust of banks and loaning institutions. Now, my personal favorite is the one that I cited earlier, spoken earlier by Gil Birmingham. But, now spoiler alert, spoiler alert again, key plot points are about to be revealed, you've been warned. There's a nice exchange about halfway through between the two brothers and the lawyer who's managing their late mother's estate, and how they will be paying off the remainder of her mortgage debt. It's such an effective summation of what's really driving Toby, who's Chris Pine's character, what's really driving his plan to rob these banks, and the lawyer is played by Kevin Rankin, who does a fantastic job of just organically delivering what in the hands of a weaker actor would come off as purely expositional dialogue. In fact, he even utters the title of the movie to truly bring it home. And obviously, you really can't see this listening to it through a podcast— but what makes this scene work even better is the expressions on the faces of both Pine and Foster sitting quietly across from him as he's saying this. Foster looks empathetically at his brother, played by Pine, as he's feeling both guilt about never being there for their mother, or his brother for that matter, and also pride that his brother came up with such an ingenious plan. And on Pine's face, there's just more regret, feeling that his life has come to this. Just a great scene, even though it's really... Nothing more than just three men sitting down discussing a mortgage. It's truly representative of what makes this film special, and that's your trailer moment. How much you making on this deal?
1: Not near as much as I'm risking. All right, doing it then. You know, they loaned the least they could, just enough to keep your mama poor on a guaranteed return. I thought they could swipe her land for $25,000. That's just so arrogant it makes my teeth hurt. To see you boys pay those bastards
0: back with their own money? Well, if that ain't Texan, I don't know what is. And that ends the spoiler. That brings us to our final category, the MVP. This is the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. Now, this is a close call between him and the writer Taylor Sheridan, but I have to give this to Chris Pine. His Toby Howard initially seems to be in the grand tradition of the strong silent type at the center of most Westerns. Almost everyone around him seems to be more vocal and animated, which certainly helps give you that impression, but there's more there than you think initially. What Pine is doing is actually not that far removed from what Heath Ledger did with his great understated performance as Ennis in Brokeback Mountain. He's letting other folks do the talking much of the time, but he's still saying a lot regardless. The way he carries himself, the way he reacts, the way he tries to project calm, this is still someone whose mind is often running a mile a minute to the point where you could see it weighing him down at times. Without Pine's work to give this film a real soul, Hell or High Water would still be a pretty entertaining bank heist caper. But with Pine doing what he does, it's a special film with something to say.
1: I've been poor my whole life. From my parents, their parents before them. It's like a disease. Passing from generation to generation becomes a sickness. That's what it is. Infects every person you know. But not my boys.
0: Not anymore. Disappointingly, Chris Pine was not nominated for an Oscar, though Heller High Water did receive several nominations that year, including Best Picture. It lost to, well, it lost to La La Land, but then it actually lost to Moonlight. Remember those Oscars? Well, Moonlight was certainly deserving, and it's a fantastic movie. And La La Land was not that far behind. But as far as I'm concerned, Hell or High Water was the best film of 2016. My overall rating for Hell or High Water would be 5 stars out of 5. This is one of the best films of recent years. It's currently streaming on Hulu, and you should definitely check it out. And that ends another Fraternal Review. Please subscribe to the Living for the Cinema podcast. Follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema.